Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes they're amusing topics, but sometimes they're tough, and sometimes they're just fascinating, I think. And I think, whoa. You know, I always say, uh, April, nobody ever listens to this show for my technical expertise. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Today, I think our topic is pretty fascinating, and it's a topic that every woman, and possibly some men, uh, because of their relationships with women, will find just as fascinating. Girls and their periods, women and their periods. It's a part of our lives. It's a part of our uh, decades. It's a part of our our way of of being. Even when they cease, it becomes an identity for us. And I think for a lot of us, we just don't think of it that much from the standpoint of the practical, of the what do we need to take care of these periods. Um, And I was fortunate enough in a, a couple of weeks ago to be at an event, and this amazing woman, April Aberman, came to the meeting, and she is with a group called Days for Girls International. And, you know, so many women I've spoken to since that meeting, April, say the same thing that I said. Oh, gosh, what a great idea. I never even thought of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this I had the same is, thought. <laughs> yep. The this that we're talking about, folks, is... How do poor girls, how do poverty-stricken girls, how do girls in other cultures, in other countries, how do they lead their lives with this monthly um, inconvenience? Um, uh, I guess that's as good a word as any. Um, How do they do it? We don't even think of it. You know, I mean, we go to the drugstore, we get what we want. We send somebody to the drugstore, we get what we want. Maybe we order it on Amazon, I, you know. But we don't even think about it. It's like buying toothpaste. It's just not something that you have to give a lot of thought to. But it's just like money and sex. If it's not there, that's when you have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if you have no money, what do you do? And fortunately, there's an organization that has been thinking those thoughts for quite some time. April, thank you for joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. And we're going to talk about periods. I love talking periods, Heather. (laughs) Thank you for having (laughs) me. Thank you. You're welcome. April, let's start out talking about Days for Girls International. I'd never heard of it, although I have to tell you, my daughter who lives in Portland contacted me a a few months ago, and she said she was looking for things to do from a volunteer standpoint to supplement her her job and her life, and she said, I read something about this organization that helps supply sanitary supplies for girls in other countries. I'm going to try and track them down. So imagine my delight when after running into you and and having this meeting and learning about Days for Girls, I called my daughter and I went, I found your organization. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) We love to hear that. We love that. The awareness is building then. Great. So tell us, April, what is Days for Girls? Well, that's a good question, and um, it's a longer answer than uh, what most people expect. But Days for Girls provides washable, sustainable feminine hygiene products for women and girls all over the world who can't afford to purchase them, as you mentioned just a few minutes ago. 
we um, we not only provide the product for the women and girls, but we also give them education. We give them um, ambassador women's health training so they understand not only how to use the kits, and, and we can talk a little bit about the kit if you'd like later, um, Heather, but how to use the kit, which is really important, but also what's happening to their bodies. Because a lot of women and girls, even here in the U.S., but particularly in other countries, don't understand that piece. Um, menstruation is such a taboo subject that many of them don't even know that they have their periods. They don't understand that this comes every single month. So that education piece is really empowering for them. And then we also teach them how to make our kits and to make soap so that they can then go out and um, sell the kits to earn a living and support themselves and their families and their entire communities. So it's, um, you know, we do a lot of things, um, not just provide product for periods. Okay. All right. Now, you said sustainable. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, yeah. What has sustainable? I mean, when we need menstruation supplies, we go to the drugstore, we buy a, a box of Tampax or a, a, a box of uh, sanitary napkins that are then put in the garbage and disposed of or flushed away. What Absolutely. do you mean? Yep. Sustainable really equals washable. If you think about um, a cloth pad that you can use to absorb your menstrual flow and then wash it out and reuse it. So it's washable and it's reusable, which is incredibly important in the majority of the places that we serve um, for many reasons. Um, a lot of people will say, well, why don't you just give them disposables? It seems like that would be easier. Um, n- not really, because when you think about the cultures that we're serving, um, A, majority of the women are living off of a dollar twenty-five per day. In fact, there are three hundred million women that are trying to live off of a dollar twenty-five or less per day. Money is an issue. They don't have the funds to purchase disposable products. Many of the cultures that we serve don't have waste management, so there's nowhere to throw the disposable products if they did have them. And most importantly, the washable kits will last a woman or girl up to four years. So think about having something to manage your period that you don't have to think about up to four years if she cares for them appropriately. So it's incredibly well, important. Well, you know, when, you, were, when oh, you first mentioned that, uh, April, I thought, of course, that makes perfect sense. My first thought was, just as you said, okay, uh, let's just go buy them eight tons of tampon, tampons and, and call it, you know, and, and call ourselves, you know, noble and holy. Um, mm-hmm. But then I thought, what happens when those run out? It's not like they can run to the grocery store and, and buy another box. If the, Even if they were available, they might not have the income. So, exactly. of course, disposable isn't, <laughs> isn't yeah, a great dis- idea. Disposable isn't sustainable, even beyond the product itself, right? Um, That's how we like to explain it. Uh, It's interesting, too. um, I just had a conversation with a woman in Everett, as a matter of fact, who um, helps chronically homeless families come off of the streets, and they're seeking feminine hygiene products as well. And, um, you know, when when you talk about disposable products not being a sustainable solution, that's the case even here in the U.S. There's so many nonprofits that are trying to provide for this homeless population, low-income families, 
and they don't have the funding to sustain $10 per woman per month, and then you multiply that out over the number of years that you would have to do that. So washables are becoming even more popular here as a solution for that homeless population. Yeah. Um, I'd love to mention – oh, go ahead. Sure. No. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to reiterate what you're saying about yeah. I mean, there is a huge concern about mm-hmm. um, you know these disposable products and what we're doing and uh, you know to our plumbing and to our landfills and you know you name it. Um, so mm-hmm. there are more and more uh, women in this country and, and in, in in countries that don't necessarily have uh, a disposal problem. There's more and more concern about you know how are we using these products when. I mentioned, um, you know, your your sustainable idea to a friend um, about, you know, and then you can wash them out, and isn't this great? And she went, ooh, mm-hmm, to reuse. Mm-hmm. And I went, really, really? We reuse our underwear, don't we? I mean, we reuse our clothing. I mean, if you can mm-hmm. clean it, why can't you reuse it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so have you encountered any... Uh, kind of attitudinal issue about the sustainability or the re- the reusing of the products, or is that just my yeah. <laughs> that just my, my yeah, cloud? No, <laughs> you know that's a, I think that's a great question. I'm I'm actually glad that you brought that up because um, I, that's a cultural piece as well. So um, the answer to that question is going to be different depending on which country we're speaking of. Um, if when we distribute these kits in, let's just say, Africa, for example. It's not an issue. It's not something where um, the women and girls will, will give us that ew. Um, they're, understand that they're, they're sitting on cardboard uh, for up to five days a month, perhaps with another you know, 50 to 100 women or girls, if you're, if you're talking about an orphanage or a school, in the same room. So picture that. Um, if they're so desperate to go to school or to go to work and and to support their families that they resort to using other things. So they may use rags, they may use newspaper, leaves, corn husks. We've seen women use cow dung because they're so desperate. So when we give them this washable kit, it's a celebration like you've never seen. There's hooting and hollering, and it is a period party because it means opportunity and freedom and education and so many other things for them. Now, to answer that question, when we speak to women and girls or other nonprofits here in the U.S., we do get that a lot because we're not yeah. used to we're not used to it. What what we've grown up with here, at least in the past, you know, 40 to 50 years, are disposable products. And we're a disposable community with everything, not just tampons and pads. You know, we don't want to fill up our water bottle. We'd rather go buy a case at Costco. Um, yeah. Convenience yeah. is super important. So that initial reaction, yeah, a lot of times is, you know, until we show them the kits, um, such as this meeting that I had a couple days ago. They're so beautiful, the fabrics and oh. the um, patterns and it's so fun when you see it and you understand it and you touch it and you feel it. It makes a difference. So I Absolutely. think there is um, there is that barrier, you know, that we we are going to have to overcome. We're going to have to get over the fact that, yeah, you might see your menstrual blood, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's normal, exactly, right? exactly. I mean, you uh, don't. 
you know, you're not grossed out if you nick your finger in the kitchen. I mean, you're, you're yeah. annoyed, but you're not grossed out by it like it's something nasty. I mean, I yeah. think that because, I, I, I mean, I think that aversion to menstrual blood goes back not to um, the issue of blood and gore. I think that that aversion to it goes back to our prejudice against women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's my opinion. Um, but, um, you know, because it's, it's somehow or other nasty because that's where it came from. Um, and so hopefully in this day and age we can get past that. Um, I one hope other so. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, when you were talking about uh, at this meeting about how girls manage it, um, and I'd like you to go into a little bit more of that. And then I want you to talk about how it's not just those girls over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so so I'm I'm in a culture somewhere, um, I, you know I don't know near this wherever, and um, there are no supplies. Well, mm-hmm. you can't just walk around without something. So you mentioned girls will literally put cow dung or anything absorbent, I you know in, in their. I mean, how did how did Native American populations do it? How did Native? I mean, did they? I know they used moss for diapers. Would mm-hmm, they have done something exactly. like that, perhaps? Um, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, but one of the things that I encountered um, many several years ago when Washington State was celebrating its 100th anniversary, uh, we had a women's history project. And my grandmother, who lived and died most of her life up in, in uh, uh, Canada, nevertheless was born in Massachusetts, and her father, when she was 12 years old, brought them out to Washington State to homestead. So... Mm-hmm. Since she lived in Washington State, we uh, um, the the project was looking for women who, uh, back in the early days of Washington, before it was a state, to share some of their history. So they had a set out a list of questions to ask the people that they interviewed, and um, I participated in that. And I took my mother, who was born in Canada and then married an American soldier and went back uh, to uh, America to live. Um, what you know what, what we the three of us went up and we interviewed my grandmother and we said you know I went through my list of questions and some of the questions were about menstruation and how did you learn about it um what did you do you know about it how did you you know supply yourself etc so i had three generations i had my grandmother who was born in 1900 i had my mother and i had me and we spanned three generations, and it was the first time I'd ever sat in a room with three different generations talking about menstruation. Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting, actually. Beautiful. <laughs> and, yeah, because we don't think of doing that. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, it was fascinating because one of the questions was, how did you find out about menstruation? How did you find out you'd be having your period? My grandmother said, well, it happened and you'd get rags, you got rags, and then when it happened again, you either thought there was something wrong with you or, oh, maybe it's just supposed to happen. And after a while, you just kind of got used to the idea that it was going to happen. And that was it. There was no conversation. And she would save rags, and they would wash them out. And Mm -hmm. she said the problem with the rags is that you had to hang them in your room somewhere private to dry. You couldn't put them out on the clothesline because those were private. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, okay. Well, then I looked at my mother, who wasn't part of the History Project, and I said, how did you learn about it? And she said, 
Well, my, um, my, my she had three sisters, and they rode horses to school. They had a little one-room schoolhouse, so they rode horses to school. And she said it started when she was at school. And so she went to one of her older sisters, and a second older sister came over, and they kind of looked at each other and said, oh, already she's so young. So mm-hmm. my mother interpreted that to mean that she was dying. I mean, oh, there's wow. blood. They're they're bemoaning the fact that this is happening to her when she is so young. So she got on her horse, rode home, got into bed, and waited to die. And when her older sisters came home, uh, her mother came into the room and told her they told her that this was going to happen a lot. Um, you know that it would happen routinely. Mm-hmm. With me, um, I got a book in the mail. In the back of all the magazines were the send-off for free information on growing up. And it was a little pamphlet (laughs) that you got from Modest, right? And I had an older sister. She was five or six years older than me. And I just sent for that. You know when you're a kid and you go through sending for everything? Well, maybe they don't anymore. Um, (laughs) Just to get some mail, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. So I sent for that, that booklet. And my mother was with me when we picked we picked up the mail at the post office, and my mother was with me, and she saw the pamphlet. And she said, aren't you a little young for that? Well, mm-hmm. I didn't even know what it was. And I said, oh, should I give it to my sister? Well, my sister is six years older than me. <laughs> and my, my mother <laughs> said, she already has her own. And then she oh. said, well, you may as well keep it. And and if I suppose if you have any questions, you can ask me. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> my daughter. That's amazing. My daughter was menstruating for months before I ever knew. When she was a, a certain age, I bought the the materials, you know, I put, bought the supplies, put them in the bathroom, said, you know, here they are when you need them, and we would talk. I, I never had the talk because I always just, that's part of life, and, you know, I, I would always just kind of talk about it uh, mm-hmm. as part of normal conversation, not as some specialized talk or conversation. So she had the supplies. She was menstruating, and I didn't even know about it until she ran out of supplies and told me she needed more. Mhm, mhm. Which happens you know, more often than not, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, I mean that. But I guess the this whole the whole gist of the story is that you know we need the conversation. So the fact that this that this organization applies to more than just the supplies delights me because we do mm-hmm. need to have conversations about it. It also lets us know that we didn't always have disposables. Women for centuries have been using whatever they can use to do this, you know, to to take care of this. And in Absolutely. some cultures, as you point out, it involved sitting on cardboard or, you know, staying uh, staying away from the major popula- the, bu- the bulk of your population in your village or your city while you're going through this. So mm-hmm. culturally, we, you know, we, we're tending to talk about these supplies as supplies. But in fact, we're talking about a change in culture if we can provide these supplies for girls. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If um, if your listeners could see one of our kits, um, and I encourage them to do so if they want to go to daysforgirls.org, um, you can see all of the kit components. But they come in this beautiful drawstring bag uh, so that girls can throw them over their shoulders and, and carry them um, to and from school. But we always say that, you know, inside of this bag is so much more than just a pad, right, or panties. Um, we... 
we give women education. We give them the opportunity. We give them freedom in knowing what's happening to their bodies so that they can manage it as they choose. Um, I think choice is really important um, to mention, too, in what we do. Uh, We do distribute the washable kits that we make, but we also have menstrual cups. Um, I'm not sure if your listeners have are, are familiar with menstrual cups, but they last up to 10 years. They're made from medical-grade plastic, and really it's a replacement for a tampon. If you think about it going in, catching your menstrual flow, you dump it, you reuse it. Again, it's, it's that reusable piece. Um, yeah. If someone prefers to wear tampons and wants a sustainable option, then we have that available for her. But she has a choice. Uh, and I, I just think that's but you incredibly important. Yeah, you mentioned also that there some that that may not in some cultures that 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 would not necessarily be an option. But you know what? That's Before correct. you answer that, let me throw out our phone number. If you want to join us talking periods here um, and supplies and all that other stuff, please do. Our phone number is six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. That's six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. Part of me, April, thinks that I should be wearing my pajamas and eating pizza while we're having this conversation. You know that. Well, you know, that's what I love about what I do. I I always say pinch me because I get to do this and I get to talk to women and girls about their periods, which is a really private thing. But I will Mm -hmm. tell you, Heather, when I have the opportunity, as we did a couple weeks ago, to just come together, let's sit on the floor, let's have a little bit of wine or tea or pizza or whatever it is and start talking about periods it's amazing to watch that conversation unfold and amazing to watch women come together. Um, you know, it, it's beautiful. And you um, you had mentioned earlier, you know, the, the washable piece of it and why, why do we distribute washable. One of the other beautiful pieces of that is that it does give women the opportunity to come together to make the kits. So we have 750-plus. Ah chapters and teams worldwide that make these kits. So um, I really want to to um, help your, your listeners to understand that because we have just here in Edmonds, Washington, 60 people um, that will come together from time to time and some on a regular basis to make these beautiful kits for other women and girls. And it's a way for us to get together, talk about periods, uh, make kits, and give back to other women and girls in need in such a private way, in such a free well, way. Well, and I happen to have one of those kits in front of me, and I am gobsmacked by the economy of it, the mm-hmm. science that has gone into this. I'm mm-hmm. opening it up right now, April, and Great. I must tell you that the materials, they're very brightly colored. I mean, it's as if, I, I don't know if anybody uh, else sews, but you know, when you sew, you have scraps. And mm-hmm. you usually, as long as they're a, a fairly substantial size, you, you hang on to those scraps and think you're going to make a quilt or whatever. These are basically um, pieces of fabric that have been left over from other projects, I would think. Maybe not, um, but they certainly uh, look like they could be. They're brightly colored. They're, they're uh, um, splashes of, of uh, patterns. They're, in other words, it's not, okay, somebody went out and they bought... 11 yards of blue fabric, and they'll match that with 11 yards of white plaid fa- You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. bright. It's beautiful. It's, it's, uh, it, it's happy. 
It's happy yeah. fabric. Yeah. Thanks and for mentioning that too, Heather. It's it's important to us not only to have the dark, bright fabrics for staining reasons, right? They're mm-hmm. stain busting. But um, they are beautiful and they're bright and they're happy and we want the women and girls that we serve to feel that happiness and that joy when they receive it. Uh, that's yeah. another reason why we pick those fabrics. Absolutely. Yeah, and as you mentioned, they are um, bright color. They're not pastels. They're colors that can uh, hide a stain uh, because mm-hmm. we all know about that, don't we? Right, <laughs> right, right. <Excuse> <laughs> yeah, um, and so, you know, you've got to be a little practical here too. But also in it, um, the um, pads themselves, there's a couple pads, and the pads themselves are uh, fashioned like a little winged napkin, but there's a snap. Mm-hmm. on the wing, and that snap is bent behind the strip of fabric for shipping purposes, and then you turn it over, and there's a little pocket at each end of this uh, rectangle, and in that pocket are pads of fabric, mm-hmm. and those are the pads that can be removed and washed. Well, like it can all be washed, but they can be removed and um Tell us about the kits. How many of these? Yeah, these? yeah, yeah. Love to talk about the kits. So what you're talking about, um, the the winged pad is what we call a shield, and um, it does slap over the panties, just like a disposable with the sticky pieces, right? And instead mm-hmm. of having that sticky piece, it snaps, and the liners go into those pockets. And the liners um, are made from 100% cotton flannel, for several reasons, it's soft, right? You want something very soft in your and pri- near your private area, but it also absorbs the menstrual flow really well, and it washes and dries very easily with little water, dries quickly, which is also important because most of the women and girls are hanging these to dry, and and we need for them to dry quickly, and all the way so that they're not putting damp liners back into their undies because that causes other problems, right, like yeast infections. Right. So um, we, we want to make sure that we are culturally relevant with everything that we do. The liners themselves look squares, uh, if, if your listeners could see it. And there's it's two pieces of flannel fabric, and there is what we call a hot zone, which is the second piece of flannel that's sewn into the middle. So when you fold this washcloth, for example, in thirds and stick it in those pockets, she now gets six layers of absorption because we've got that second piece there. And a lot of people will say, well, why don't you just sew two pieces of flannel together? Well, we did that, and it created bulk in that front and back area of the pad, as we'll call it today. And we had one girl tell us that um, she felt like she was a boy (laughs) from the bulk (laughs) in the front of her panties. So we changed yeah. it, and we put the bulk where we need it. Um, and I have to say, you know, our kits are designed as they are today because of the feedback that we've received from the women and the girls that we serve. Uh, we listen, and that, we make those changes accordingly. That was one of the things that absolutely gobsmacked me about this project is you guys have made this a science. I mean, it mm-hmm. is a science, how you have, you know, different iterations for the, you know, how the, yeah. these are, are made, um, and, you know, and the constant feedback and going, okay, no, we can't use two layers, so what we'll do is we'll use the one layer and then we'll put the, the second layer just down the middle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, 
And you were talking also about um, uh, putting things out on the line. You know, I mean, you were talking about, the, you know, that some of these were shaped specifically so that they, you know, why do why do you fold it? Why do you have it shaped like a washcloth yeah. and then fold it? Why do you do that? Why not just yeah. sew it together as this strip? Yeah, absolutely. It's all based on feedback. As a matter of fact, the kit that we have today is our 27th iteration of um, of the kit. Our first one was white, <laughs> and if you could Ooh. see what it looked like, <laughs> white um, for sanitary, right? Different. Yeah, right. You know, we our brain goes to white and sterile, and that's what we use. But that's not what women need in other cultures. Um, you mentioned hanging out to dry. Well, those liners look like washcloths because they can hang them out to dry. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to because menstruation is so taboo in many of the cultures that we serve that the women would end up putting them underneath their cots or their beds to dry, and they simply don't dry all the way. And then you have that issue that I mentioned before with them using damp liners. Um, The sun also has bacteria-killing properties, so we want them to hang the liners out in the sun to get rid of any bacteria that might be on them um, to prevent further further um, infections, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So, you know, I mean, this is just such a, a science, you know, that you've done it. And, and it's not just a science of, of engineering, but it's also a science of economy. You have, um, uh, well, there's like two holders of the winged holders. Each one has uh, two or three of the folded claws in it, two. Um, you know, we package it, the, the two pads, uh, one has one liner, the second one has two, so that they know that they can double or triple the liners if they have a heavier flow. Uh, yeah. We're crossing okay. languages when we distribute them, and sometimes you don't get 100% translation, So, and they get so excited when they hear that they're getting this kit, they know what it means for them, that they stop listening. So we uh, want to make yeah. sure that, what, right, they're so excited. Yeah. That when they get back to their home or their village, they can take a look at this kit and go, oh, I can put two in here. Uh, Yeah. So we we package it that way. Yeah. So so you have the two holders with the little pockets on the one end and the the little wings with the snap so they can put it around their their undies. And um, then you've got the extra pads. Um, but you don't have a box full of extra pads. You have it exactly figured out how many pads they need um, to right. be able to clean them and wash them and, and let them dry while they're using other pads, and um, also um, that will last that four years. So, I That's mean, it's right. just a, it's a, it's a marvel of engineering. It's also a mar- marvel of, of planning and, uh, uh, and economies, if you will. Now, mm-hmm. In my the packet that you so graciously gave me, there are also two pairs of underwear, two panties. What's Correct. that all about? Well, in many of the cultures, they don't have panties. Um, so where are they going to put the pads, right? Um, so we need to make it functional for them. And we give them two pairs of panties so that they can wear one and have the other one washing and drying as they're wearing that first pair. And then they just switch, right? So I take this pair off. Today, I wash this, and now I use the other clean pair. So, again, for the length of that period, they not only have enough pads and liners, but they also have panties to hold the the shield and the liners. Uh, we also yeah. give them soap in there. We start them with a trial-size soap because in many of the cultures, they don't have access to that as well. 
Um, as but long you had as, mentioned as, that, 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 you know, I mean, it's a little hotel-sized soap that fits in actually one of the ends, one of the pockets, and so that mm-hmm. comes with it. And actually, when you open the kit, you get that wonderful smell of the soap, you know, coming yes, out of isn't the it plastic nice? bag. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It, I mean, it just smells clean and nice. Um, but you also mentioned that the soap goes away, and then it is a problem trying to get more. Yeah, yeah. It, it depends on the culture that we're serving, uh, the country that we're serving, rather. Um, soap is available in some of those countries, in other countries not. And a part of what we do with that health training and um, ambassador women's health training and when we set up centers and enterprises, we teach them how to make soap. Um, so they can do that themselves and not only for their own use, but they can go out and sell it as well if that's an opportunity in it for them to do that. Um, I will say that the kits themselves, with the materials that we use, can be washed with no soap and very little water because of the fabrics that we use. And, again, we do that on purpose because many of those countries don't have um, soap that is sustainable, if you will. So mm-hmm. believe it or not, Heather, you can actually take our liners and our shields and wash them with just a couple tablespoons of water. That's all it takes. If well, and, can... even, and in the kit, you even put in a little Ziploc bag. Uh, well, it's not a little one. It's a gallon-sized Ziploc bag that they can use as a little wash machine. Mm-hmm. They put their, exactly. their used pad in there and put the two tablespoons of water, a little bit of soap or not if they don't have it, and mm-hmm. squish it around inside that bag. And that uh, dis- disrupts, you know, the, the blood that's in there. Mm-hmm. They can pour it off and then hang it in the sun and you said that, that the combination of those two things basically, you know, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't sterilize it, but it basically cleans it and it kills bacteria so that they can be safely, the pads can safely be used the next time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, you explained that telling, perfect. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, perfect. Again, I was telling a, a friend about the two tablespoons, and she again cringed. I must, I must have a real wussy friend, don't I? Um, but she kind of <laughs> cringed. Ooh, two tablespoons. Ooh. And I'm going, yeah. But if water is something that you have to carry on your head for a mile and you, you're not going to waste it, that's right. for, you know, ingestion. That's to drink. You know, you're not, you don't want to waste it with, by using a, a you know, a, a, a tub full of water to wash out a few things. Right, it right. I mean, some families are, they have a gallon of water for their entire family for the day. So to your point, that's um, for ingesting, that's for cooking, other things that are so much more important than washing out your feminine hygiene kit, right? Yeah. Um, and not a lot of countries have clean water either. Let's be honest. Um, even if it's dirtier water, your kits can be cleaned with just a couple tablespoons of water. Now, is that ideal? Of course not. Of course not. We want everyone to have clean water and soap, and we want everyone to have washing machines, right, and, and dryers yeah. like we do here. But it's We want everybody not... to have a maid and a valet. We should. Well, I want that. Can I have that? Yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> but that right, doesn't it's... necessarily happen. Yeah, that's just not the reality in the world that we live in. So... Um, is it ideal in all situations? Of course not. But it's the best that we can do that we can give women, right? And at right. least now they have an option. They have something which is safer than the rags and the leaves and the newspaper and the cow dung and whatever else they might be using. It's a better solution, 
right? By the way, I'm I'm looking in our chat room. I forgot to mention our chat room. We do have the chat room open, so if you have any questions, uh, you can post them in there. And I see a couple people are in the chat room, so go ahead and let me know your questions or comments, and I will share them with April. Meanwhile, um, going through this kit again some more. Okay, so we've got our two holders. We've got our pads that are folded in thirds but open up to look like a washcloth, so there's no um, uh, hint of what they are when they're hanging on a line. Um, we have our little bit of soap. We have a couple of pairs of undies um, to put these things in. And we have a washcloth and a plastic bag. Well, we just said the mm-hmm. p- plastic Ziploc was to use as a little uh, wash machine. And actually, the whole thing comes in a plastic Ziploc, so they actually can have two little wash machines. Mm-hmm. And then there's a washcloth. Um, I, that's kind of self-explanatory, I think. Mm-hmm. And although you said that you guys are rethinking the washcloth? Yeah, we sure are. Um, again, we're asking the women and the girls that we serve uh, whether or not they need the washcloth. And, and the reason for that, Heather, is because when you look at the liners the, that they use inside the pad, it looks like a washcloth. It's very soft. Mm-hmm. And even when it's washed with this little water, it remains soft because it's made with 100% cotton flannel, whereas some of the washcloths that we receive, when you wash those with a little bit of water and hang them to dry, they can get hard. Um, they're yeah. not the softest in the world, right? We've all we've all sent something through our washing machine that didn't wash so great, and those washcloths aren't necessarily soft. It's not they're great if you have a dryer to, to throw them in, fluff up, you know. But right, if you have with a nice little dryer sheet. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. the question now is, do we need to provide a washcloth or can we put one extra liner in those kits for the women and the girls? And we'll we'll see what well, happens. I, I vote so, for the liner because then they can use it I as a washcloth or they can use it if they need to as another liner. You know. Exactly. Uh, yep. So I vote. I okay, agree. you got my vote. <laughs> We've got two votes, right? <laughs> okay. All right. That's, that's what we but want. But then there's. Yeah. Uh, one more component to the well, actually, there's two more components to the kit that I want to talk about. But the one inside the kit is a little piece of paper with instructions. Mm-hmm. And I must say, there's the the instructions are all pictorial. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of the instructions is the little website www.daysforgirls.org, but it shows everything from how to fold it, how to place it in the holder how to put the holder and snap it around the underpants, what it looks like, a picture of the underpants with the the pad snapped to it, and then a couple of uh, pictures with X's through them of how, you you know, you don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. It shows a picture of a tiny bit of water with a little wave inside the plastic bag, and then it shows a picture of the clothesline and the sun beating down on it. Mm -hmm. Any language. You don't need the language. This no is the, language, this is the language. Right. No yeah. language, because we cross languages, right? Um, yes. And we don't know where those kits are being distributed when our volunteers and our chapters package them. So it's important that it's the same instructions that go out that that, that can speak to really anyone. You know, It, it can speak yeah. to you, right? You, you read that and yes. you go, oh, okay, I've, I've got it. <laughs> yep, exactly. It. And on the other side is a little cycle calendar. Well, yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, do these girls really keep track of their cycles? Well, they don't until we get I mean, I never education. did. I mean, right? you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't either. I, you know, I think you begin to, you know when your period's coming. We we all know. We, we prep for yep. it, right? We go, okay, the first of the month I'm going to get it. 
um, to ensure that you're carrying products, but they have never had that education before. And it's really important that we teach them how to track their periods so that they know when to carry these products with them. Uh, This is the first time that many, many, if not most, of the women and the girls have heard this before. So just the conversation. Do you run, does the organization run into difficulties with that? Because certain cultures, I, I would imagine, don't necessarily welcome these conversations for, with their women. Oh, absolutely. Um, to your point, um, there are cultures that don't want their women educated, <laughs> uh, frankly. But here's what we do, Heather. Um, if I can just take... 30 seconds here and explain how we distribute the kits. We, um, our chapters and teams make the kits, and then we have other NGOs, nonprofits, um, people, organizations, mission trips, youth groups that contact us that are traveling overseas that take these kits. We don't ship them to keep our overhead costs down. So we, we send them with other groups, but we only send them with groups that can guarantee us that either themselves or someone else on the ground, wherever they're going, can do the training, is allowed to do the training. Um, It does no good to send these kits overseas, let's just say India, for example, and have them sitting on a loading dock with no one to do the training or for someone to say, you can't do that. So the kits get in the hands of the women and the girls that need them through people that have existing relationships with their villages and the communities that they serve. Okay. All right. So you got a bit of an in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. We also also have centers and enterprises, and the the differentiation there is that centers, if you think about, is our larger um, hub in, let's say, Uganda, for example, that does Ambassador of Women's Health training, brings women in, teaches them how to make these kits, teaches them how to sell them in the market. They go out and then teach others, train the trainer, right? Um, They get to be leaders within their community, and they either make these kits for the other women and girls in their community or they sell them, as I've mentioned before. The enterprises are smaller uh, little hubs, if you will, that get their resources from the centers. Um, so we also like to make kits in country, so that we keep we keep that financial piece, right, the money, if you will, within the villages that we support. So again, it's kind of that self-sustaining model. Um, teach them how to fish, right? That's what we do. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, and now the final component of this uh, kit is the bag. Mm-hmm. And the bag is, uh, again, very brightly covered. It's a different fabric. It's kind of uh, almost a not quite water repellent, but kind of water repellent. It, it's a little bit crispier uh, on the outside. The bag that I have has a little strip of other uh, print fabric across the bottom to make it a little decorative. And then it is a drawstring bag, but the drawstrings are made of ribbon, and it's quite long. Mm-hmm. So... What's the story behind the bag? Why this design for the bag? Yeah, well, the, the bags themselves are um, drawstring bags so that they can certainly put their feminine hygiene products in there, right? You mentioned um, that it's a different kind of fabric. It's actually 100% cotton, just like 
the shields or the pads, as we'll call them today. The difference is that you don't have to wash that cotton material before we sew them, so it ends up being a little stiffer, right? Uh, ah, we wash okay. Well, it does we have a bit of a different finish. It does have yeah, a different yeah. finish. Yeah. That's that, um, oh gosh, it's slipping my mind right now, um, but the, any cotton that you purchase has that coating on it until you wash it, which is why we wash the, the cotton fabric for the shields, because we want to make sure that that's gone before okay. a girl or woman would, would use that, right? Close to her vagina, right. you want all of those chemicals washed sure. away and, and shrinkage, right? Um, but mm-hmm. the drawstring, the grain ribbon that we use for the... Um, the string itself, is 36 inches long, which if you pull that tight, you look at a drawstring bag and you think, well, that that doesn't have to be that long. Why is it so long? Well, so that she can take this bag and she can throw it over her shoulders and wear it like a backpack because many of the girls are walking quite a ways to and from school every day, and this allows her to carry it on her back safely. Uh, The ribbon itself, if you look at that, the grain ribbon is at least five-eighths of an inch wide and that's so that when she wears it over her shoulders it doesn't cut into her shoulder so we have thinner ribbon it would if there was any weight in the bag they carry other things in there too Uh, but if there were any weight in there it would cut into her shoulders and be uncomfortable so again kind of kind of a science right based on that feedback um the ribbon has to be certain widths but they are darling aren't they they're really oh they're so cute they're so cute yeah even the boys want them by the way Oh, really? Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. The boys um, are like, where can I get one of those bags? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you can't. These are exclusive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> These are special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you you mentioned my next question, which is how do you distribute them? Um, my next question is how can people help with this project? There are so many ways that people can help. We always say that there is, a way for every single person and every skill to get involved with Days for Girls. You know, immediately people think... Well, and I have to say, April, just if I can jump in here. Yeah. Um, just as there's a science and, the, I mean, the the division of labor, the, the thought behind putting these kits together on the inside, but, uh, I mean, that that is, it, I mean, it's really a science of what they've done there. But equally impressive is how the organization, how you guys, have also broken down the steps to creating these kits so that everybody can participate. It's not like, okay, we've got to find an organization that will make these kits for us. No, mm-hmm. you've got it broken down so that anybody could do any part of it, and it can all go together. So now I'll shut up and let you talk you about bet, how You bet, you bet. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, um, you know, as we speak to the fact that these kits are being sewn and made. So many people think, well, I can't sew, I can't volunteer for Days for Girls. Not true. Um, To your point, if you sew, that's fantastic because we need good seamstresses to help us sew these kits. But who's going to purchase the fabric and wash it and dry it and iron it? And who's going to cut those strips out for us or the shields and the liners? Who's going to cut the ribbon and put the fray check on and thread them through the bags and put the Days for Girls labels on the bags and take the wrappers off the soap and assemble the kits? So you're right. There is something that every person can do at our volunteer days. Um, That's one way that people can plug in. And you can go online and look under our chapters and teams um, across the U.S. if you're here in the States. 
and and we're able to plug you into a local chapter or team. They can tell you when their regular meetings are and when they're getting together to do all of these fun projects. We've also had a lot of um, younger girls, which is fantastic to see them getting involved and talking about periods at such a young age to break those taboos. They get together and they do either fundraisers or they do um, drives where they'll collect panties, they'll collect soaps, washcloths, Ziploc bags, and all of those fun supplies that we need that helps to keep our costs down. That's a fun way for younger uh, girls to get involved or boys. And then there's also, um, you know, partnerships, corporate partnerships that we so desperately need to keep that funding going so that we can continue to make these kits and distribute them. Right now, uh, the most important way that people can help Days for Girls is to donate. If anyone, if anyone is thinking of donating to Days for Girls, please do so before October 26th. We're a part of a crowdfunding program right now, Heather, that um, is allowing Days for Girls and hundreds of other organizations that support women to crowdfund, which just means to raise money. And the nonprofit that brings in the most funds before October 26th, get this, wins a million dollars from Revlon. Oh, my God. A million dollars, and we keep vacillating between first and third place. Uh, we're trying oh, to hold wow. on to that lead, but that means that we can, we could help a hundred thousand additional girls with that funding. It just costs approximately ten dollars per kit to make. We've got that down to a science too, with um, the discounts that we have embedded in some of those resources. Ten dollars for one girl and it can last her and keep her in school up to four years. So we could help hundreds of thousands of girls. And that link is on our website as well if anyone would like to go out and um, donate to us. Or you know what, Heather, just just have a, a little wine and cheese party. Invite people over. Well, and that's how I met you. It was actually a a fundraiser for a different organization, and I love it when this happens. Uh, It was for a a fundraiser for a different women's organization, and as part of that, they brought you in to speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the whole, you know, everybody was told in order to come to this fundraiser where we were having like a silent auction to raise money for Seroptimus, we also then said, okay, your cost of admission here is a pair of panties and, you know, uh, in girls' sizes, blah, 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 you know. Right. And so we all brought those, threw them in the little little box at the door, and then um, you guys took the box full of things, and you, April, explained about uh, Days for Girls. But it was part of another thing. It was just a... Right. I mean, it was so easy to do. It's like, oh, okay, I got to go to the such and such meeting. Okay, go to when you know, in, when you're in the grocery store, even you can buy girls under, underpants in certain grocery store. You know, when you're in Target, That's when you're in right. wherever, just pick up a package of girls' underpants and uh, or you know whatever supplies. You know, that, it was yeah. the underwear that I bought, um, and uh, just toss them in the in the box at the door on your way in. So exactly, your we, cost of panties. I love that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Cost of admission, right? Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. It doesn't have and to be hard. You know, when we say fundraisers, um, people, a lot of people shy away from that. But really, just have some friends over for some ice cream or pizza and jammy party, movie, and talk about it. Raising awareness is half of what we do. 
if we're going well, to break through those walls. Well, and it is something that walls, can be incorporated right? into something you're already doing. You're Absolutely. already going to the PTA meeting? Fine. Have everybody bring a pair. You know, I mean, you, and I'm using that because that's what I recall. But, um, you know, you you are a member of this other organization? Fine. Just have tell everybody on, you know, the first Wednesday of the month, you know, just bring, a, you know, a, a, a one of the supplies that, that exactly. you guys need. And then somebody can take it to it. So it lends itself very easily and very smoothly uh, to uh, joining in and piggybacking on things that you're already doing. Absolutely. Um, we've mentioned the website. Let's let's give that website again. Um, sure. So that everybody. You bet. It's www.daysforgirls.org. D a y s f o r g i r l s. Days for girls. And I notice on the the printed literature, it's you've got some capitals in there, but that doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't matter. No, we're not case sensitive. Okay. Good. Okay. We'll, well I have look at the I have. I have. <laughs> always tried in my life to not be case sensitive okay um yeah (laughs) i just think it's appropriate to not be case sensitive i agree Um, yeah (laughs) i mean after all it is the 21st century that's right Um, okay we've been talking mostly about those girls in those countries Mm -hmm. but in fact this applies right here at home doesn't it it sure does it sure does that's how we got started here in Edmonds, Washington. Um, my daughter asked a question: which, How do which, women and girls? Me, I might, I might throw in here that Edmonds, Washington, is a fairly well-to-do uh, area, right? I mean, it's not it a is. poor neighborhood. It's not. It's a well-to-do neighborhood, and right there in Edmonds, Washington. So go ahead. Yeah, right here in Edmonds, Washington, um, we were shocked because it is a, a well-to-do area, middle class to upper class. Uh, but my daughter asked what women and girls do if they can't afford to buy these products on her way home from the girls-only class down there at Children's Hospital. And uh, I didn't have an answer. She wanted to do a little service project. And we went on this search for an organization that was distributing what we thought disposables, right? Uh, how can we help these women and girls? And we found out through that search that there were 400 homeless families in the Edmonds School District 200 of which were girls of menstruating age who were in need of feminine hygiene products. And these girls were um, part of, they fell under the McKinney-Vento umbrella, which is basically a homeless program. Um, But even the free and reduced lunch students have a hard time, the families have a hard time affording the extra $10 a month for tampons or pads. If you think about it, Food stamps don't pay for any paper products. That that. Whoops! Wait a minute. All of a sudden, your connection went bad. April, can you repeat what you just said? Your, your connection you was bad. We lost. Oh. Okay, talk again. You're going. Uh, keep talking, and I'll tell you when we can understand you again. Sure, I'm going to keep talking, Heather. Um, cause I, I, you were warbling a little bit, but um, there, there you go. Now we're there. No we are. Okay, good. Okay, don't move. So, <laughs> exactly. Stay right where you are. Stand right there by the window. Um, most people are surprised to learn that food stamp doesn't pay for paper products. They don't pay for t- toilet paper, toothpaste, shampoo, deodorant. None of that. So, if a family is on a limited budget, uh, or you're on the streets, for example, and in shelters, you don't have that extra money. So girls and women here in the U.S. are even resorting to using other things, rags, newspaper, most of the time toilet paper. 
for girls that are in the, the school system, they simply take toilet paper and wad it up and they put it in their panties and they go to class. I have to say, I didn't share this with you um, a couple weeks ago, but I was one of those girls. And, and I'm going to give my age away right now, but that was 35 years ago. <laughs> and the problem still exists today where girls are shoving toilet paper in their panties so that they can yeah. go to school, which, which um, if they are going to school, first of all, right, a lot of them will just stay at home just like girls in other countries. But if they are going to school and you have toilet paper in your pants, your grades suffer too because these same girls are not raising their hands and participating for fear that the toilet paper might drop out of their pants. So well, not see... only that, but, you know, I mean, we, we have all been there, um, either because of an emergency or because of sure. economics. We've all been there. And that industrial toilet paper, I don't, I, I don't even know how it absorbs anything. I mean, it is totally <laughs> ineffective. It's uncomfortable. Right. And uh, you know, and it, and it's ridiculous. But I think right. one of the things, and we're I'm looking at our clock, April, and we're I'm going. Run I can't believe the hour mm-hmm. has gone. Um, but I think the key here that I want to leave everybody with is this is not just a matter of convenience to pro- to provide these things, whether it's in other countries or whether it's here at home. It is a matter of changing lives. Girls who don't have these stay home. Mm-hmm. Girls who don't have these products cannot lead a normal life in this day and age. They just can't. That's right. That's right. Uh, and women can't go to work, um, and they can't interview, and they can't support families if they're held back, right? Um, exactly. It's just lost opportunity, and we're missing half the world's population here, and we need them. Yeah, exactly. We need, and, yeah, and I think that, them. you know, the, the people that I have mentioned this program to went, what a great idea. I never thought of this. I never thought of this, mm-hmm. never thought about it. And that yeah. is my hope with this program today, that you know what? I never did either, but we need to. We need to. Right. And here is right. an existing organization, Days for Girls, that not only is thinking about it, they're doing something about it. They're doing it from a really economical and a really, um, I, I, don't, I don't have an adjective for it, but the shape of the organization, the way things are accomplished here, I, I love I love the way this organization is operating. It's economical. It it is efficient. It's grassroots, and I love that. So Days for Girls, www.daysforgirls.org. April, final words for us? Have you got 15 or 30 seconds of final words for us to think about? You know, I would just say um, think about it. Talk about it and know that you can keep girls in school and you can change the world. You really can change the world with $10. So please get involved. And, Heather, thank you so much for having us on and and raising awareness. Thank you. Well, I will always end the show with a quote, and the quote for today is a long one. It's from uh, Lydia Yukonavich, I'm masquering that name, uh, who wrote The Small Backs of Children. Um, One day... The girl is taking a bath and calls out. The widow comes into the tiny bathroom, and the water surrounding the girl's legs is clouded with crimson. She slaps the girl in the face and smiles and kisses her on the cheeks, and she says, May you bloom. The widow tells her, This is the first language of your body. This is the word knee. When you bleed each month, as when the moon comes and goes on its journey, you leave the world of men. You enter the body of all women who are connected 
to all of nature. I love that quote, and I think that Days for Girls is helping all of these girls becoming part of nature and becoming connected. Thank you so much for joining us for Three Women, Three Ways. Thank you, April, for being with us and giving us so much information. And please join us next week on Three Women, Three Ways.